Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show this Friday edition. And believe it or not, uh, spring football is vastly approaching. Feels weird to say that. Um, the official date <clears throat> hasn't hasn't been released yet. We know what it is, but all we can say is it's coming. Uh, it, it's going to be here soon. And to get you know, to get you ready for that, to get you prepared for that, we're going to start talking some spring ball. Uh, you know, Oregon spring game is April 29th. Um, there's going to be a lot of storylines to play into that one, leading up to that one, and we're going to discuss those storylines here on the podcast. Uh, we're going to do a little bit different. It's going to be a draft style of a storyline. Uh, we're going to rotate. Eric goes first, Jared goes, and then I, I pick two in a row, and then we go back down the list. Um, of what we feel like is the most important storylines going into spring football. Because there's a lot, and it's going to be an opportunity for us to kind of individually explain and detail out what we think are the bigger storylines that you, the Duck fan, needs to pay attention to. Yeah, and I I drew the – I don't know. Is going first best? I can't tell. I I actually feel like I wish I didn't pick first now, but uh, I was I don't think there's a clear, like, number one overall pick. Uh, And that's kind of why I don't know about picking first necessarily, Uh, whereas when we did this – we did something similar a bit ago when we had Zach Neal on, and he ended up going first, and that would end up being a huge advantage. And now I Mm – but now I'm not sure if it's a big of an advantage to go first here. But – um. So yeah, I, I I have a list of like seven. I don't know how many you guys prepared. I probably should have prepared more than seven, considering we're going to give a total of nine answers here. So it could be a situation where I'm uh I'm uh just picking out of my head here and like picking like hey, I'm excited to see these walk-ons or something. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens when we get there. I I did think there were two things to me that stood out the most, and so I'm kind of trying to pick between them. And I'll I'll go with this one because I think. I'd imagine you guys would – I'm not going to get a pick again forever. So I'll go the one I guess I'm, I, I think I'm most interested in. It's the top of my list, which is just organize a new offensive coordinator. Um, and this is the second straight year that's been the case. It's the, what, three out of four years? I mean, it's Oregon has been rotating lead play callers now on, on the regular. And I know that's – I mean, you think about lack of success or, or however you want to, you know, kind of look at a, a period of time. But you could explain any lack of success by the fact that Oregon's had – a huge shift in play caller, huge shifts in, in quarterbacks, huge shift in head coaches over the last six years or so. Um, but I think everyone's really, you know, enthusiastic about what Will Stein can provide, given how good Kenny Dillingham was. I think that gives Dan Lanning a lot of rope, if you will, in terms of like, gosh, you can't really can't really question his OC hires because the first one he made was an absolute home run where you've got a 33-year-old who by the end of it is another Pac-12 head football coach. So um, I, I'm really curious to see with Stein. I'm, I mean, I don't know how much a of practice we're going to get to watch to really see much of anything right. and get a feel for some of the schematic stuff. I don't know if we'll come away from the spring game going like, holy cow, that was way different than last year. 
Um, all indications are a lot of what he does um, stylistically is really similar to, to Kenny Dillingham, at least from like a, a base of what he's doing. But and I don't know, we probably won't see a ton of wrinkles in spring, but I just think one of the main things that I'll be curious, you know, going into spring coming out is just kind of what are the takeaways from from Will Stein? I don't know if we knew what Oregon had a year ago when, when Kenny Dillingham was hired. I remember that was a big storyline last spring. I don't think there was really much clarity of what a coach he was until he got into fall. So maybe I'm doing this wrong, but I just think, you know, one of your top coaches on staff has changed and it's pretty important. And I think people are really interested to see what this offense looks like. So my number one pick, uh, what happens with the new offensive coordinator? I think it's a good pick. I think that's the, you know, obviously it's the biggest personnel change other than player personnel, other than guys coming into the program. Um, and I, I think for us as, as, you know, the media is going to practice, it'll really depend on how much of practice we actually are able to watch and how much of, uh, you know, actual offense that we're going to see. Um, last year, it was actually a good bit. Um, I thought we saw, you know, we saw 11 on 11. I think it was, what, like every Tuesday, something like that. Um, it was 11 on 11, like four or five fastball plays in a row, um, which gave us some semblance of an idea of what the offense might look like. Uh, maybe that happens this time around. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, we'll find out eventually. But I, I think that's one of the biggest storylines going into it. Um, it might not have been my first pick, but I guess we'll get to that later. But I, yeah, it's the biggest change in the program other than who's coming in just as players. Um, and Stein is someone who's, I, I, I think he's proven. I think a lot of people might not agree that he's relatively unproven just with his one year at UTSA, but he clearly did such a good job there. Um, he's just good offensive mind. So I, you know, it's going to be a big question mark heading into the, the season is how does Oregon repeat what they did in 2022 in 2023? Yeah, I mean, I, I had I had that as one of my picks, you know, that I was that was going to have. So I, I would I would hope, Eric, that you would have picked Stein first, you know, knowing especially knowing that you're not going to pick for a while. Yeah, um, right. I, I was... think that's it, it, that, that was like one of my biggest questions going into the year going into spring ball all right jared you have the second pick where are you going <clears throat> i sure do i alluded to it a little bit ago by saying that there was a big that the the offensive coordinator change was the biggest coaching change there's a lot of player personnel change it is probably my favorite day of the year i'm on the biggest storyline that i'm looking forward to is new roster day heights oh. and weights of every new addition to the program until we get some more during fall camp um, this is, this is my favorite time of year. It's basically Christmas morning. And I know I've used that analogy before on this podcast, but getting to see, uh, every player in their new uniform and their new number, um, the heights and weights of everybody who was with the program from the prior year and the upgrades that they've made or the downgrades in terms of weight that they have made in the off season. Um, this is more of a, of a personal pick than I would say just a big old storyline headline grabber that, um, some national media outlet would pick up, but. Um, for me, this is something that I'm always excited for, for, for spring football. Um, it, it's, an, it's an article that a lot of people are really excited for. It always does well on our website. Um, I'll be in charge of it again this year. Um, and it depend, I, I, my only fear, here's my one fear about this pick, hmm. um, not even for this game, for, but for real actual life like IRL, um, is if Dan decides not to give us the roster with updated heights and weights, which is which probably he did, uh, which he did last year. He did do last year for, yeah. 
for a while. He eventually gave it to us, but I think that was toward only towards fall ball. Did he not? I thought there was. I thought we were in limbo forever on on heights and weights this last year. Am I am I crazy? No, we they we didn't got him. give us weights for a while, and then we finally got yeah. them. I think right before the season started, we got them eventually. But um, still, I mean, even if there's no heights and weights on the roster, it's still interesting to see uh, just all the names that are that are coming along, all the new numbers, everything like that. Because that's half of our job is recognizing who's who and what number is what person yeah. from you know 100 feet above at Autzen Stadium or right on field level with everybody at practice. So. Um, it's one of my favorite times. Uh, it might not be the biggest storyline heading into the into the spring football season, but it's my biggest storyline heading into spring football. I just hope for your sake we actually get we get heights and weights after you said it's your most exciting thing because I'm I, I'm cautiously pessimistic, I guess, about yeah. uh, just because of last year. But who knows? I hope you're right. I love I love seeing the heights and weights too. I also I never really get why people care so much about heights and weights, but they do. It is our most popular mm-hmm. item whenever we get it, like for the month, every month. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, are you including position changes like new roster day? Because that's always a big thing too. Where ah, seeing it's what guys for spring ball, yeah, all encompassing. I, I well, I think uh, so. So, Jared, you're saying your new roster day includes anything that would be found on a roster that's interesting. So that takes yeah. Okay. So heights, weights, position changes are all are all included. Numbers, etc. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Good deal. All right. Uh, for my first pick, and I get two in a row now, um, I'm going with the growth that we see with Bo Nix year two. I think this is a big question because it was a renaissance year for him. He got back into into expectations of what he was coming out of high school as a five-star this past season, one of the best players in, in college football. Was that him reuniting with Kenny Dillingham? Was that him just playing – with a competent offensive line for the first time in his college career? Was that playing uh, in a league that doesn't play as well on defense that like the SEC does? Um, what kind of – what does year two with Bo Nix look like? Um, do we continue to see the trend up, or does he gravitate back down to his averages before he got to Oregon? Because last year was a career year across the board. It's a really good one, Matt. And I think the other part, I'm just curious on the quarterback room in general. I mean, like, I'll, I'll toss in. I know it's your pick and mm-hmm. you're going Knicks, but I'm curious. I'm, this isn't my pick. I'm just curious as an addition of, like, what do we see from Ty Thompson? I think he's a player that fans are very split on. I think a lot of fans are disappointed with what they've seen from development. Maybe he takes a big step this spring. Austin Novoset has been here since, what, January. Um, I'll be curious to see what early impressions of him look like. And then Nick's obviously, as what is his growth, but also – how does he kind of mentor some of these young quarterbacks? Now, I think the quarterback room is from a position perspective. I know there's not like, it's not the intriguing one with the position battle, but there's each player involved in that room. I think you've got things you're curious to learn about this spring. So yeah, no, I, I had not Nick's, but I had quarterbacks on my, on my list here. It's a good pick. I mean, I, I, I it's an interesting storyline to, to, to follow about because yeah, Bo Nix was unbelievable last year, but, but like, like you said, Matt, was it because he was reuniting Kenny Dillingham, the guy that he had his best college season before last year with, will it, is it because he's developed as a prospect and has you know, good arm strength and good decision-making, or is it because an offensive line actually protected him and did what they, 
what they're supposed to do on their job resume application of protect the quarterback at all costs? Or was it just Oregon had better playmakers than what he had at Auburn? He was able to get the ball out quick. You know, what was the case? Um, you know, I'm, I'm more partial, especially after the season that he's had, to believe that he was a, a good player at Auburn, but he never had the protection and the weapons that he now has at Oregon. And with the, combine that with the offensive play calling he had with Dillingham and the potential offensive play calling with Will Stein, I think he's, like you said, I think he's going to be just fine in 2023. I don't see why there's any reason he can't replicate those numbers that he had in 22, especially with, I would argue, maybe even a deeper um, – uh, you know, skill set around him at receiver and, and running back. We'll see about offensive line, which could be someone's storyline eventually, but I still have confidence in that group. All right. And then <clears throat> my second one goes on to the defensive side of the football. Um, Oregon was terrible at establishing a pass rush mm -hmm. last year. Their best pass rusher is now gone in DJ Johnson, who 4-4-9-40 at the combine. Uh, yeah. That's pretty good. Pretty damn impressive. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Um, so locating your pass rush, your edge defenders, do they have one? I, I don't know. And mm -hmm. I, I think you're hoping, you know, Birch is that guy. Mace Hoon is back. But this is a big question going into spring. And it will be a question that I, I think won't really be answered unless, like, we just see a guy that's just unblockable in multiple practices in the spring game. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, so it could be a question that we're still asking going into the summer, the true off season. And that's what happens as Oregon's pass rusher. Who is it? How many guys can they rely on? Well, and to your point about maybe this is a question we continue to carry on. Remember DJ Johnson had that incredible spring game last year. I can't, I think <laughs> yeah. he had like, was it three or four sacks, a bunch of tackles for yeah. lots. And Dan was saying afterwards of like, you know, if he, if he puts it all together, he could be one of the best players in the pack 12 defensively and maybe in the nation. And, we saw glimpses of it. It certainly wasn't consistent enough. And as we've said before on this podcast, uh, I think Matt was the one who, at least from our side, discovered this stat first of just that this was the lowest sack total in what, like 30 years. I think it was like 91 or 92. You might remember that. Uh, it was Matt, who was, by the way, drinking his soda. 86. Water. 86. Yeah, I knew he knew the answer, but he was he was uh, busy doing something else. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a, a really intriguing one. And, and certainly from a defensive perspective, gosh, like, there probably aren't many things that you're kind of more locked in on to see progress being made because that was such a shortcoming last year. I think, I mean, the clear answer here is it has to be Jordan Birch. It has to be because this is why they brought him in. I mean, he was the best edge uh, transfer portal player in the country. I think he was. It was either him or Tony Lucas who went to USC. Um, was that has answer? to be your guy, huh? I, mean, I was just going to look it up. I was saying, I think he, he I know he was at one point. Yeah. And, that has to be your guy. And I was also, as, as I was writing down like the storylines, I have something similar and it's, it's interesting, interesting because I thought of that spring game as well, where it's like, Oh, Hey, Oregon does have a pass rusher. His name is DJ Johnson. And it's like, you know, it looks great when he's going against Bailey Jaramillo and the second team yeah. unit against Ty Thompson and a quarterback who can't actually run. So anytime you lay a finger on him, it counts as a sack. No disrespect to Bailey Jaramillo, great golfer. Um, but that's the other thing. It's like when we watch these spring practices, don't shake your head in the air. <laughs> when you watch these spring practices, it's it's like a, a almost like a, a fool's gold, a fool's dream of what a pass rush looks like because there's probably no actual hitting. There's everybody's trying, but they're not trying 100. And 
So I, I think that's going to be a potential story, like Matt said, like a storyline that might follow itself into the real offseason over the summer. Um, Birch, number one rated edge slash defensive lineman, uh, ninth mm -hmm. best portal player in the country. Lucas is second, but he's 20th overall from a portal perspective. Mm. I think it's me now, huh? It sure is. You've got the fifth pick. Fifth pick, fifth overall pick. Um, I will pick one side of the ball. I'll do offense. Okay. I'm most interested, and I know this is going to potentially rile up people in the comments section because it has before. I'm going to pick the my one of my biggest offensive storylines is who is going to be playing the most at slot wide receiver, Ooh. and this is going to be a battle. I think between okay. Chris Hudson mm -hmm. and Tez Johnson. Hudson has been with the program for three years, started in 2020 during the pandemic shortened season. Uh, Tez Johnson is a transfer wide receiver from Troy, also the brother of Bo Nix. Um, Tez put up absurd numbers last season at Troy, was the second highest ranked, um, second highest ranked wide receiver in the country on PFF. Uh, the number one ranked wide receiver was Marvin Hudson, Marvin Harrison Jr., who was quite good at Ohio State, and he was quite deserving of that number one ranking. But, um, you know, after watching a lot of film of Tez and, and watching how Troy moved the ball, um, yeah, he's, he's really good. And there's a reason that he was the number two rated receiver by PFF and overall offensive grade. Um, he's really fluid. I know that he's a shorter guy. He's like that five, nine, maybe five, 10 on a, on a good day, max height, like 185 pounds. Um, there's been worries about him for years on what his injury potential would look like at the collegiate level, at the high school level, even, um, he's battled it all. He's gone through and not had any significant injuries knocking on wood, but I think it's going to be a legitimate competition. I, I, again, these are, there are reasons why Dan Lanning and company bring in players at positions that seemingly have a starter locked into it. It's to promote competition. There's a reason why Dan Lanning and company have 92 scholarship players heading into spring camp when they're only allowed 85 when the season starts. It's to promote competition. And I'm not saying that um, if Tez Johnson wins and Chris Hudson leaves and transfers, I don't think so. I think if, if Tez Johnson wins, Oregon now just has two caliber slot, slot receivers who could start. Um, and that's fine. That's what a lot of teams have. That's what a lot of good teams have is they have depth where if you go one guy into the bench, oh, look, that's a guy who started last season is now just surpassed by a better player. Um, I think it's one of the biggest storylines to watch, in my opinion. Uh, I think the slot receiver was was competent last year. I think it really helped the team at points. Troy Franklin is obviously your number one going into the season. You need somebody who could step up and play beside him, and I think it's going to be either Tez Johnson or Chris Hudson. I think it's just going to be a good battle between two talented players. Isn't it interesting that not only – is Oregon like bringing in an established dude? Because you're right. Like there's going to be a competition here. They have an established guy and then they're bringing in Tez. And now they're trying to bring in Gary Bryant Jr. from USC. Yes. Another mm -hmm. one. Like to your point, Jerry, like they are truly making this, you know, competition is going to bring the best out of everybody. And I think this is a very underrated storyline. Um, they're basically forcing a position battle that most people – wouldn't normally expect to be there. I'm happy you brought up the Bryant Jr. name. Uh, USC receiver was really productive in 21. Didn't really do a whole lot this last year. R rumored to, I think, visit be visiting this weekend um, or, or soon. Uh, 
I was trying to get a feel for where he would fit. And and to, to the point that, by the way, Jared, I, I agree. I think that's that position battle is probably the one individual offensive battle I'm most intrigued with. Um, and very curious to see how that plays out. I don't know exactly how um, Kerry Bryant would fit into this. Uh, does, is he playing slot? Is he an outside? He's 5'11". Um, I can't say I'm extremely familiar with where he was lining up at USC. And I, I pulled up his... his uh, his profile on USC's website, and it doesn't say where he was. He was lined up. Let so me let me grab his bit. profile on PFF. Yeah, pull up his PFF they have, profile. They'll they say where he lined position up. Position Yeah, do that because I'm I'm curious to see just not to over not not to take away from the Tez Chris Hudson debate because I think that's that's as I said a, a good one, and I agree with Matt that that's one of the ones I'm just I'm very curious from an individual position about. But if they do add Bryant, and they could in theory do that before spring starts um if they wanted I, i'll be really curious to see where he fits into this because from a body type perspective he's maybe a little thicker than the other two but he sure is very similar in height and size and i know the explosiveness is that's a big part of what he does as well in terms of his i think he's a kick returner uh, in 2021 as well so uh yeah no, i'm kind of filibustering here waiting to see if we've got a little bit of information on where he lined up just because i, I we've got i've got some information all right what we got? he was Mainly a slot guy. This was in 2021 right. um, when he played most games. 370 snaps in slot, 228 out wide. Um, mm. I think he's capable of playing both. It's just Clearly. I think he's more of a slot receiver than anything else. Interesting. That would be – I mean, that would speak also to, okay, like do you need three slot receivers, especially when they're all older guys? You know, these aren't – it's not like you're bringing in two true freshmen to compete with Chris Hudson who will going into his – his fourth season, but technically a junior season. Mm -hmm. Bryant and Jet Tez are also, I think, juniors. So interesting, certainly notable. Um, you guys have anything else on receiver? If not, I'll make my sixth pick. Go for it. You have okay. six and seven, right? I got six and seven. I think we're I think we're going to break after my sixth pick, though. If I if yes. I read the ex, if I read the instructions correctly. <laughs> Sounds good. It was a suggestion, not a not an instruction. Not an instruction. Okay. Just, <laughs> no. All right, I read the suggestion properly. No, you know, this is what's fun about this exercise is I'll be honest, like my number two on my board is still here, I think. So, uh, and I liked every pick you guys made. I kept thinking like, oh, that's a good one. I wish I had that on my list. Um, you guys tell me if this it sort of is Jared's thing, because I don't know if it really is, because I think it's a little different, but I had written down just all these dang newcomers, like half the roster's new. It's just like, you've got 40 guys. Like, yeah, I'm, and like, I had something similar. And that's broad sweeping. I know a little bit. Um, because all these dang newcomers. That's what I've what written down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I literally have written down. All these dang newcomers, because it's like 40, 40 players are new that are going to be here just in spring, and by the time we get to fall, that number could be could be more. So it will be more. I should I should say could be forty five. I don't know. I, I don't even know the exact number at this point. I should have it written down. It's my fault. Um, but there's just a lot of newness. There's a, a bunch of new transfers, about a dozen of them. There's going to be a couple of dozen freshmen eventually enrolled. Currently, there's more than a dozen, dozen and a half, close to 20. Um, I mean, there, there, there is so many new faces on this team that we're going to be seeing. So to Jared's point about the roster, that was the only one that I thought maybe uh, kind of there's some carryover where maybe there was a little conflict. But to Jared's point about just the roster and seeing the new players, I, I just, I'm just excited to see the new newcomers i mean there are so many players who we've never seen in oregon uniforms who are going to be in oregon uniforms i think as you guys know one of my uh, I, I try to memorize the faces as quickly as possible so i can take mm -hmm. attendance and be the you know be kind of our backup attendance guy if we miss somebody i can say i think i saw that face 
I, I'm just going to have a, a really fun time. I think that first, those first couple of days. And then when we get back in, in April of just going, okay, well, here's so-and-so, how does he look just physically? And then whatever we can take away from practice. And obviously in the spring game, I guarantee you, I will be writing post spring on which newcomers or who the best portal newcomers, who are the best two freshman newcomers, all of that. And then I just think also, you know, just bigger picture culture, when you have half the roster almost be new, yeah. how does mm-hmm. that work out? You know, is there enough continuity here? I mean, I'm not that concerned about it, but just hypothetically, you never know, right? You know, you, you could just take a couple bad eggs and maybe there's not enough of that sort of senior veteran leadership on the roster and, and things. I don't expect it to happen, but you just don't know. And and, and so I'm, I'm very curious by this is a very unique situation. We talked to about it a couple of times of just how these rosters are, are turning over so quickly and and Oregon is amongst a couple of Pac-12 teams that are have really just sort of completely shifted uh, yeah. a ton of what they have on, on the roster. So I'm, I'm very excited and intrigued by kind of what this will look like when we get, get going here in a couple of weeks, we think. What makes it even more interesting is if Oregon's spring practice schedule is like last year's where they have a couple practices before spring break and then they come back, that it adds is. a whole another – yeah, well – we know that. I think everybody. Well, Dan said publicly. Dan though. said it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's they right. Just I forgot about dates. that one. So this, we do know yeah. the dates, but we we aren't breaking any news by saying there are going to be a couple in March and then a break and then a, a bunch in April. Correct. So, because it's like that, with spring break in the middle of it, not only will we have an opportunity to to learn some new faces right before, but when spring term begins, that theoretically would have a couple more. Uh, newcomers just because it's the start of a new term and uh, Oregon's school schedule is strange and their tr- and their uh, their what are they their quarter system so there's three terms in a, in a calendar school year with a summer term so not only will they have the first round of early enrollees they could have a second round of early enrollees which gives you even more people to to earn more players to learn and to see and Eric I had something similar in my storyline list of just seeing who's the new people are and just kind of looking at them strictly for, I don't know, for a, a period of time just to get an idea of how they play, what they look like, uh, kind of similar with the with the roster, what the number is, um, you know, their size differential from what they were at their old school or from high school, what they're listed on at 247sports.com. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do is to, you know, see how the newcomers look. Uh, baseball is fun. Football, it's going to be even more fun because there's going to be just a million guys to to try and watch and see what they see what they play like. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll continue with Eric's pick here. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Uh, we've gone about two-thirds of the way through this draft, I think. We've got the last round. Is that correct? You are mm-hmm. great math right there. Fractions were, you must have been 100 top of your class. Yeah, we have done six no, out of nine picks. Absolutely not. Two thirds of the way. Any numbers? This. No. <laughs> yeah, okay. Two thirds of the way. Why are you the one in charge of the scholarship chart then? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just adding uh, numbers. There's no, there's no, there's no fractions. There's no, there's no fractions of scholarships like baseball or softball. That's true. Or Gosh, yeah. Jared, your scholarship chart, you've got quarters and half. Oh, and I don't everything. keep track of that. Right, I just, enough. I just ask. I just off, know. Just an off topic. I just remember it was very strange because two of my best friends in college, I went to Gonzaga, were uh, Gonzaga baseball players and uh, they were twins. And one was on, I think, half scholarship and one was on a quarter scholarship. And I was like, ah, that must be Kind of awkward at awkward. the uh, at the old home estate. Like, yeah, I'm a half scholarship player. I'm a quarter scholarship. Well, was player. was one better than the other? Yes, one was very much. Better okay, than then the other. yeah, that's good. That's fine. Yeah. He knows. He does. I think they did know, but it was just like an been awkward. Like, yeah, I've got half as much scholarship as as you do. All right, um, I've got one pick left. Jared has one pick left. Matt has one pick left. Um, we can recap at the end and and I think do some honorable mentions. But uh, my last pick here. Is just going to be all the offensive line shuffling. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there, the, 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 this was already probably going to be a pick, and then Adrian Clem took the Patriots' job, and yep. Malik Terry replaced him, bringing Mike Cavanaugh, a veteran uh, offensive line coach with decades of experience, to kind of just be there as the assistant. Um, I, I think this is a really interesting offensive line situation. You go from a year ago, and like I think the big thing we felt really positive about on the offense was, hey, they bring back everybody on the offensive line is basically back. There were some reserves who, who followed Mario down to Miami, a couple of guys, uh, George Moore graduated. But for the most part, it was just like, man, this is going to be the strength of the offense, so much continuity. And a year later, and it's, it's the opposite. You know, it's not, there's not, there's no returners, but you did lose four guys who started a ton of games last year and a ton of games the year before that, a ton of games before the year before that. So there, there are uh, very key players leaving the position group and, I'm very interested to see from a player perspective how this all shakes out. I won't run through my projected depth chart again because I feel like I've done that a hundred times, but I feel like I've figured it out. I'm going to be very curious by the end of spring to see how close I am, you know, uh, because mm-hmm. it's possible like, Terry comes in here with new eyes and says, I actually don't think so-and-so fits best at left guard. I think they should be playing center and that, you know, mixes up the apple cart, I guess, as you will, and, and suddenly Jackson Powers Johnson is playing right tackle. And I have no idea. I, I don't think these things happen, but you don't know with a new position coach, with new eyes. Uh, I mean, Powers Johnson's pretty versatile, pretty athletic. I don't know if tackle makes any sense considering how good he is as a guard or a center, but right. I'm just, you know, there. I'll be curious to see kind of what the impact is there. And then also, the we've never seen Josh Connerly be a first-team offensive lineman. I think we all expect that this is an opportunity for him to be that. We've never seen a Johnny Cornelius or Junior Angelau at Oregon. We think both of those two guys are starting caliber players. Um, Steven Jones was hurt most of last year. We didn't really get a great feel for how he how he played, and probably his best football was in, towards the very end of the season there, so it was hard to really get a, a great feel about where he's at. Um, the Marcus Harper element is probably the biggest wild card, where this guy who started 10 yep. games last year was pretty darn good, and then you look up at the roster and go, gosh, is he even going to start this year? So 
there's just a lot of little pieces here that are interesting along with you add on the position coach change you add on there's going to be some newcomers george silva's a name to know as a junior college transfer there's some some true freshmen coming in i just think there's a lot of newness here on the offensive line so from one i think from a position group specific perspective i mentioned the position battle at slot receiver that's like one position i think just like i was yep. a group the offensive line to me is the most interesting right now especially uh, definitely on offense defense maybe there's another pick i had i had offensive line as one of mine as well so and, and specifically center because like I, I wrote down in my notes is jpj the answer like i i think he is mm -hmm. but i don't know and yeah. it's always hard when you break in a new offense when you break in a center, a new center. And now on top of that, you're going to have four new starters at that position group as well. Like that's a big ask. Yeah. It's a massive ask. I, I still think it's JPJ. I think he's the guy, I think he's been being trained so and, yeah, for the last couple of seasons uh, center in high school. I think he's that dude for that, for, for that position gap. Um, but no, I, Eric's right. This is the most intriguing position group on the roster. I think, yeah, overall, even even including defense, um, there's a lot of question marks about defense too. But yeah. you know, no defensive group is you know replacing four or five starters like the offensive line is, especially with the experience and the pedigree that they all had in the last couple of years. Um, but that's not to say that Oregon doesn't have a lot of talent there. Um, with with Cornelius, with Silva, with Junior Aguilar, with uh, Josh Connor, the Junior, and uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of dudes who can all fill in and, and take a starting position role. It's just who's going to do it? What like because we have our Eric, you have your projections. I have mine. Matt has his. It's just is that is that how it's going to be? Is that are, are we correct here, or is like Eric said, is Elite Terry going to say no? This is this is going to be my offensive line now, and Kavanaugh is going to come in and say yes, this is yours. Here are my opinions on what these positions should be. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued to watch that position battle. I'll probably won't watch it that much because I watch defense and Eric watches offense, but, um, I will be excited to hear what he relays information to me, uh, and, and to you, the listeners and the viewers. Can I, I, I had one name I wanted to mention who we haven't said, who I think has, is a candidate possibly to just make, make all of this stuff a mess. And that's Dave Iuli. I just, mm -hmm. there's some kind of buzz that he's, he's coming along here. And, and now you talk about all that interior line depth and, I don't yep. think, I'm not sure he's going to start. I'm just saying, like, maybe he pushes his way into this kind of whatever rotation. And again, I know they're not doing what they did under Mario, where they actually rotate like every other series, but of guys who are called into play. I know you guys hated it. I was, <laughs> I was probably a little bit more understanding given the COVID year, carrying it over to 21. I get kind of felt weird considering it wasn't the COVID restrictions, but. I digress. Oregon will not be musical chairing at the offensive line, which I know is a thing a lot of folks are very happy with, along with the pistol formation, which might be coming back. I didn't bring that up with Will Stein, but that is a position that – a uh, Should have held that for your honorable mentions, pal. Well, it wasn't really in my honorable mentions. That's more of a tie-in uh, with my offensive coordinator uh, addition. Okay. Um, Me. I am done talking. It is Jared's turn. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Go on defensive so I can get – you know, both sides of the ball and some random thoughts. Um, I'd like to know what the cornerback rotation looks like, please. This is an intriguing one. Oregon brings back everybody but Christian Gonzalez. They bring back, um, or they add in, excuse me, Kyrie Jackson, Alabama transfer. Their second Alabama transfer, along with Rayshon Holden. Um, but Triquez Bridges, 
Dante Manning, Jaleel Florence, Jaleel Tucker, Darren Barkins, Avante Dickerson, Dalen Austin, Roderick Pleasant, Solomon Davis. They have a lot of guys. They got a Colin, lot of names there. I'm Colin Cole, Gill. Colin Gill, Cole Martin, both yes. true freshmen. There are um, there are a lot of names. And on the flip side, there's also a lot of talent in there. Um, I think Triquas Bridges was a very solid cornerback last season. Um, he had his moments during the beginning of the year where teams kind of picked on him. I thought those moments quickly dissipated uh, as teams moved to other potential targets on the roster, namely those who play nickel safety. Um, but Christian Gonzalez was was outstanding. He's going to be at the draft today or the combine today. He's going to be doing his thing. Uh, he just measured in and he'll run the 40 yard dash here around I don't know, probably noonish, 1230. Um, that was a good it was a good unit with Bridges and with Christian Gonzalez there. Now, you no longer have Gonzalez, obviously. He's gonna be a first round pick. Bridges is back. Is he your cornerback number one? Who knows? Kyrie Jackson is in, played very limited snaps last season at Alabama, played limited snaps in the 2021 season at Alabama, although that he was effective in those snaps and in both 22 and 21. Um, he didn't play a lot. And so, you know, the the pedigree is there, the Alabama you know, player that carries all the pedigree in the world because they transfer in from Alabama. Is he is he that good? We'll find out during spring camp. Dante Manning, a guy who's we've been waiting on for three years at this point to come into his own, although he has suffered from injury uh, injuries across the board. Um, but he still has all the physical talent in the world to potentially become a starter at Oregon and play cornerback and be a, be a lockdown guy. But then you have the emergence of Jaleel Florence last season. Jaleel Tucker was even a higher-rated recruit than Florence in the 2022 class. This 23 class brings in two basically top 100 prospects, Dalen Austin and Roderick Pleasant, both who are who possess the physical traits that would you would identify with becoming a cornerback. You also have Darren Barkins in his third season with the program, with Avante Dickerson in his third season with the program. Um, and that's not to say that Oregon doesn't look towards the transfer portal in, in May and maybe adds a guy there, cornerback. Um, I think it's a really intriguing position. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of talent, at least on paper. Um, and I have no idea who's going to be the cornerback one or two. So the first time, if we get to see it, the first time that they line up on 11 on 11, I'll be looking at cornerback. I'll be really intrigued on who is lining up one and two there because – uh, as of this point, I think it, one of them is going to be Bridges, and I don't know who the other person is going to be. I I had one of those as one of my one of my picks. It wasn't going to be what I picked because I was hoping that this would fall through the cracks. But I agree. There's a lot of questions with with the DBs. Um, you brought up Gonzo and talked quite a bit about the corners. I I'm bringing up Bennett and like what Eric said earlier of like the lack of leadership potential on this team. Bennett Williams was, wasn't was always perfect, but he was like one of the biggest voices in the locker room. And mm -hmm. his departure along with Bennett – or along with Gonzo being gone now, like there's a lot of questions I think you, you could need to be filled uh, at, in the DB room. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. I had the safeties also written down here. Um, I mean, I think the secondary in general defensively is where you're, there are a lot of questions. And 
I'm 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 really interested in, in this position group. I, I I as Jared alluded to earlier, I watch offense, he watches defense usually at practice. I will be curious to hear. I guess it's funny because you said if we were watching eleven on eleven for the first time, you'd be checking out the safeties. Well, I'd be watching offense, but if I was watching defense, I'd be really curious. You said you'd watch the corners. I think I would be watching the safeties, is what I meant to say. I'm just like I think we kind of have some feels for how this plays out, but I, I could be completely wrong. There's so many veteran players. There's a couple intriguing uh, transfer portal additions. There are players, frankly, who are still on the roster who I thought would be gone by now. So, um, yeah, I think the secondary, like that's a position group where I think we have projections, obviously, but I could be told by – you know, big first game in September that like every one of the guys I projected to start is actually a backup. And, yeah. and I wouldn't be like, I would be surprised obviously, but I would, wouldn't be like, wow, that's completely. It's alarming. Yeah. Like I would be like, okay, well, there's just a lot of guys here and some of the, you know, the cream rises to the top. So, um, mm-hmm. all right, Matt, final pick, Mr. Irrelevant. What do we got? Uh, well, this is, uh, I'm going to call this roster realignment. Um, okay. And we may not know the answers to this until midway through May. And that is portal. After mm-hmm. spring ball plays out, Oregon needs to get below the 80, you know, to the 85 scholarship limit. There are four or five guys over right now. Who leaves? What does that do from a depth perspective? What are the impacts of that? And look, we see it. All the time in football, uh, or excuse me, in basketball, we're starting to see it now in football as well, unexpected transfers. Um, I think you could look at Dante Thornton and say, hey, he was going to play. He was The path to start was there for him, and yet he said, no, I want to go somewhere else. And you understand why? It wouldn't surprise me if it would be a surprise if like a guy we've pegged in and pen on paper as a starter transfers, mm-hmm. but it, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. If there's a guy that we, we have like, Hey, like he's one a, and this guy's one B there's an or on the depth chart. It wouldn't surprise me if one or both transfer um, like that's going to happen. Uh, so a who leaves the program after spring football, because Spring ball is going to wrap up, and then shortly after, the transfer portal window opens again. And then B, the second part of this is who leaves, but who does Oregon go out and find? Because Jared's, I think, I think we've made it till the forty-minute mark, and Jared hasn't hasn't brought up that Oregon needs to add a tight end to its roster. Um, I wrote it down. I wrote sure it down. You did. <laughs> Not surprised. Nope. So, like you know. There, there's, there's that fill. There's, you know, you could, you could argue they need to go and add another corner. You could argue that they could add another receiver. Like they still have needs to fill. So, I'm calling it roster realignment. Who leaves and what additions, if any, does Oregon make uh, following spring football? Yeah, I, I had down positions they choose to address after spring. So I had part B of your, your, your thing, and part A probably should be more prevalent because it's, frankly, the more I don't want to say. Um, important or the more significant, but there is a number they have to get under. Um, and frankly, there just needs to be roster turnover after spring ends. So like that, as a thing that that's like not even, uh, you know, there's not even a choice to be made. Like you, you unfortunately have to have players leave. And, and that's a disappointing part of where the game is at right now, but it's also why Oregon's able to sign 30 players and add 10 or 11 transfer portal players. So yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm with you, Matt. I'm, 
think that's a really intriguing part and will be like part of what I was thinking about with the positions to address is just while we're watching practice of like, hey, who seems to be, you know, assuming we're watching practice, I've said it a couple of times because it's not clear what our access will be this it's year. It's not, yeah. But if we do get access, it'll be interesting, again, if we do get to watch 11-11, all this is hypothetical. But, like, okay, let's say hypothetically we're watching 11-11. If there's a guy who we thought was in the two deep who's not even with the threes, we're going to be like, huh, that's a, probably a candidate for a guy who might leave at the end of camp. And we'll start to kind of build. We probably won't publicize it maybe until tail end of just, like, here's some names we think. Or maybe we won't even do that. I don't know what we'll do. But I'm certainly going to be taking stock assuming we get opportunities to watch 11 on 11 for, okay, who are the guys that maybe we weren't expecting to be in the two deep or with the top group? And who are the guys that we were expecting to be in the two deep or with the top group who aren't and who are now further down? So, um, because those are going to be the candidates that, that you look at that probably decide to, to bounce after, after we get through May or into May, I should say. It's a, it's a good storyline. I had that written down. I probably should have gone with it, honestly, but um, I'm, I'm almost mildly intrigued on what would happen if Oregon didn't have 85 scholarship players by the time the season started. I kind of want to see that storyline play out, although I think it could be pretty bad for us. Um, yeah, you mean when the season, us, gets, meaning, meaning the season gets canceled? When the season starts, can... yeah. And, well, and, bad and for was... us, meaning meaning this the like, duck territory as Oregon is, uh, you know, the uh, season is canceled yeah. because they can't get enough scholarships or get under enough scholarships here. Um, I mean – yeah, like like Matt said, there could be guys who are one A, one B, where they're in a steep competition, and um, and like you know, one A, let's say, wins out, and one B just enters the portal, and you and you look at that, and you're like, oh, well, that was a good player, and it's like, well, one A was probably brought in this offseason to compete with one B, and one A came out ahead, and that's the reason why you bring these players in. Um, I think there's going to be, I would imagine, there are going to be names that enter the portal the second time around where it actually might sting a little bit more on paper than it did for guys who entered the portal this last time around um, because they'll actually have been beaten in competition by the newcomers and guys who maybe were starters last season are now in the portal and are probably going to be playing and starting for another team uh, in another power five team in the country. Um, I think that's just the type of talent acquisition that, that uh, Dan Lanning has been making the last couple of months. Should we recap and then do some honorable mentions? Does that work? I'd love yeah. To. Okay. So uh, write down I have the list. Cool. Go for it. Uh, Eric with the first pick um, picked what happens with the OC and then his second and third picks. Uh, the last second round pick and the first third round pick. All these dang newcomers is how I typed it out. Um, Me as well. As you should. And then the O-line shuffles. Uh Sounds like a uh, a, a play or, or something. Mm. I also had uh, I, I had these written down exactly the same, Matt, because that was how I said them. So well done. <laughs> uh, Jared with his first pick, which was number two overall. New roster day heights and weights, all encompassing everything new with the roster. Um, and then his second pick, who plays the most at the slot spot, and then his third was the defensive back position. Uh, and then my first pick, which was the third overall pick, Bo Nix's development. And then uh, the first pick of the second round was just a pass rush. And then I ended the draft with a roster realignment. I think we did pretty good. I think these are nine. Yeah. Like, 
here's some on uh, on air content discussion. Maybe we turn this into a piece of, of a, a piece of content this weekend. Maybe piece we of write, literature. Maybe we write this thing out. Literature. And, uh, and, and we've got nine because I think this is nine good takeaways. And maybe we pick a tenth here from. Maybe that's what we're doing right now. Is we'll pick a tenth from our honorable mentions to be the tenth for our story we're going to write. Uh, today or Friday or Saturday or Sunday. I don't know when we'll, we'll actually get it. Well, I have one topic that, that did not get okay. brought up. What do you have? I got, um, I, got I don't about, know how many you guys have. I got I about, I only wrote down five. That was my, that was, I was like, ah. I got to pick five. Oh, you and that's five risky, only. man. I've Work got out, two man. pages here. Two <laughs> pages? Like oh, yeah. I got, uh, what was your, what was the last, sorry, Matt, you go ahead because I'm sure yours is boring. But what was your last one then? Your 11th? Uh, depth at linebacker. Depth at linebacker. Yeah, yeah. Sewell's gone. Flow's gone. Um, we saw a couple transfers. Jeffrey Bossa didn't have the yeah. best year possible, um, and they quite frankly don't have a lot of guys at this position. Um, so like it's it was just kind of like I don't know if depth at linebacker is the right question, but just like it's going to look different. It's going to look new and there really isn't a guy that's coming off the year that was like, this guy was terrific last year. Mm -hmm. No, there's not at all. There is, there is not a, we know this guy's going to be a star player on at linebacker. Jared, what was, you said you had 11. I'm really curious what number 11 was. Yeah. Give us your 13 other, ex other yeah, questions. Your, what were your I will. I will. I'll go in order here. Um, what true freshman stands out on the defensive line? Oh, uh, does Justin right. Jacobs participate in spring camp? Um, is Will Stein a visor guy? Um, what does Jordan Birch look like physically at the line of scrimmage? Um, uh, I thought you were going to say, what does Jordan Birch look like? <laughs> well, no, I, was, I, I know that. I was going to say, Jared, I actually bumped into him uh, at, at, a, at a bar not that long ago. When he, when, actually, you were sick brag, Steve, we, we were inviting oh, you, Jared, to come friends. out to get – well, you were invited and you chose to know, go know. have a drink with some other person and I got to meet Jordan Birch at the bar. So. <laughs> I'm proud uh, of you. He looks, he looks like a large Physically, human I'm, being. He looks, he looks like, like a, a big guy. Being. Yeah, glasses, man. He was wearing, he was wearing glasses. I'm, yeah, I know. He's got the, the, the Avon Thibodeau look, those, those, those smaller lens glasses. Um, Taishim Johnson and safety room rotations, uh, the offensive line order. Uh, oh, this is a good one. Who is in the best shape of their life guy? Which person says it? It's, it's coming. We all know it's going to happen. So I have that written down. And a, and, and a, uh, and a subcategory, Jared, will be is who's the Mace Funa who tells us their most disgusting uh, fast food one. order where we're all repulsed by how much food they eat that they're not and that they're not eating that food anymore. And then they somehow are managing to lose the weight um Shocker. lastly is evan williams just bennett williams cloned so that he could play another season <laughs> of football they don't look that similar jared but i think that's i know a good one. I, know. I like that These i are, know they don't look that similar th th but. those were very uh those are those are very specific those were more specific than a lot of the ones we chose i wish you would have at least what gone with from me well, I, 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 think, I, I, Evan Williams as a, as the clone would have been uh, would have been fantastic for a written content perspective. Maybe we have to choose that. I think the the biggest question mark I have is Will Stein, a visor guy. I think it's a huge tell on the type of person that he is if he wears well, a visor. We have, have we we've got photos from him coaching over at UTSA, and I don't think he was a right. Visor. But this, you know, now he has Engage. unlimited unlimited hats that he can get from Nike, and so. Now he's not just issued the team hat. Yeah, he can say, true. look, 
look, uh, John, whoever is the equipment guy, I almost said the baseball equipment guy. I know he doesn't do football. Um, do you got any visors? And then they'll say, you know what, Will, we have four. Pick your pick your poison here. So I'm interested to see if he's a visor so guy. Your, your, your theory is that UTSA has no visors available to their coaches. Correct. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, why do you need a visor when you play inside? I mean, half more than half your games are played inside because they play in a dome. Correct. So that's actually, Matt, that's the most compelling case so far made for the visor. <laughs> <laughs> visors are interesting, though. Like, I'll I've be on the count, man. All right. I've never, I've never understood, understood either. Because you're leaving the top part of your head uncovered. Like, yeah, you want, mm -hmm. you want to show off that nice hair. And if you know, if you have brownish blonde hair like I do, you know, I shouldn't show it because it's hat hair. Blonde hair? Mine was blonde growing up, and my blonde, my hair will get a little lighter. If you got, I, yeah, you get lighter, lighter so you, time. Yeah, so you, so you, so you mm -hmm. let the, you know, you leave the top part open, so you get the sun hitting it. You get a little light, uh, lighten it up a little. I don't know. I don't know. Tosh, Lu I, Tosh Lupoy is a big visor guy, although he yeah. doesn't have that much hair to begin with. He usually keeps it nice and short. I, I am with you, though. I'm not a visor guy. I don't own a visor. I don't. I might have jokingly, as a college student, bought a visor for a joke costume, but mm -hmm. that's the only visor I've probably ever purchased. Oh, Chip, Chip Kelly made them very much in style I know they were. in the state of Oregon uh, from 2009 to 2012. They, but, were, they were a hot tell visor. Me Unfortunately. Tell me this, Matt. Do you own any visors? I do not, but I've also jokingly I've made fun of them, but I've also joked about getting one for golf just to be like the the golf visor guy. The visor guy. But I currently do not have. I think Matt, you can't you can't do that now though. You've already you've been you've on the record. Yeah, I know. Visors. I've kind of like axed myself here, but I make yeah. fun of the visor. If, you, if someone bumps into you on the uh, over on the course and you're at a visor, they'll be like, "You, I've heard you on a podcast say you think they're dumb." <laughs> Take that. Visor well, one of my good right friends now. listens to the show. He's a visor guy, oh. and he, oh. he would give. Sorry, me good friend. <laughs> he would he he would give me the the slack if I did that, but you are right. You are okay. right. I think we need to get Will Stein on, and this is like this is okay. This will be my only question. One guy for one question. Uh, do you yeah. wear a visor? And he says no, and then you leave. And then you leave. I leave. That's a, I just that's all I needed. I just want I just want an answer. That's um, I had a couple more honorable mentions list. Uh, sorry, left, and then if we want to, we can maybe pick. Uh, the tenth one for the story, or we can just let the maybe we'll let the listeners pick on the YouTube comments. I don't, I don't know. Um, Better be the. Visor. They're all going to pick the vi They're going to pick visors and the cloning thing. They're not going to uh, pick the ones. I'm going to write eight hundred. I'm going to write eight hundred words on Will Stein's visor. Okay. <laughs> I had, the, the, so I, I, I had a seven prepared. Obviously, I drafted three. Some of these were kind of repeated. You, Jared talked about defensive back rotation, specifically corners. I wrote I was more interested, as I said earlier, on safeties. Um, I have down, and this is one we haven't really, and I, I should also note one that Matt addressed was the the positions to add. So I had that as well. So that's another one that doesn't really fit. Um, I think the one that hasn't been brought up that I'm maybe most intrigued by is the special teams aspect of this. It's just like, it was a- Oh, oh my God, that's a great one. Year. So I think that maybe gets to be 10. What do you think? Oh my God. I'm yeah. going to actually see – we all will see Luke Dune, Luke Dunn kick a football. Holy That's the God. most exciting thing. Yep. Jesus. Um, yeah, I mean, I would – you know, that was – and that was fifth on my list. Yeah, I, I, I just think – like we, number one. We have – well, yeah. It says you, you, none of us picked it, so maybe it shouldn't have been number one. But I mean, it should have been – it probably could have been picked. I was, I was sort of expecting it to be selected, but it's all good. Now we can talk about it. 
No, I, I mean, like, there was not a ton to say here. We, we all know special teams for Oregon was dreadful in basically every aspect that didn't include Camden Lewis. Like, if Camden Lewis wasn't on the field, it was bad. Like, they didn't punt well. They were bad in coverage. They didn't really return the ball with any level of explosiveness. And when they did, it was in the bowl game when Bucky Irving, who during the season, I'm sure they were trying to monitor his, his contacts and didn't want him to get hit too much. Mm-hmm. Finally, the, the one they actually put him back there, he was really good in that role, but – I would be stunned if they're like, hey, we're going to take our superstar running back who I, I genuinely think could be, you know, if, if he has enough touches, an all-American caliber player. Like, I think Bucky Irving's ceiling is so high. Hey, let's toss him out there for kick return. I don't think that's going to be a thing we see. So, like, I, who's going to be the returners? Um, you know, Chris Hudson kind of lost his job at the end of last year. I know Delgado replaced him, but that wasn't exactly, like, super exciting. Um, Hudson maintained some of the kickoff work until Bucky took over. So it's not really clear of like where, where that's going to work. And then shoot, like I have no idea who the long snapper is. I mean, we think it's Luke Basso. They've added a, a, a prep player whose name I don't want to try to pronounce. It's like Duzanowski or Duzanski. Yeah. 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 yeah not going to try. Um, the holder will change too. Cause that was Barry. Um, you know, the punter obviously is a huge question mark is, is, uh, is Andrew Boyle still the kickoff special? I go on and on. Like you can tell there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot. So, Special teams. Uh, I think. I think we. I think we're gonna make that our tenth choice for our takeaways or our storyline. Sorry for for spring because I. It, it is the one where I go. Gosh, there's there's a lot going on and uh, and it needs to get better. And then the last one I had was just a, a throwaway. And t- unless you guys took all mine, which was just, I was gonna pinpoint a couple of the the new assistant coaches we hadn't talked about and just mm. what's their role. But we we kind of that you know, Leak Terry got brought in on the O line shuffle. Um, we talked about the defensive back stuff and, you know, we didn't mention him, but, um, there's a new hire there. So I think we kind of covered all those bases as well. All right. That's going to do it for us here on the odds and audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to this show. We'll be back, uh, on Monday, um, probably a delayed podcast on Monday. Um, we have a work commitment that we have to be available for when we record normally so the podcast will probably be a little delayed there um but then we'll be back as well on wednesday potentially and then um friday as well um look forward to those shows next week and a lot to cover as spring football gets closer we'll wrap up our coverage of uh combine Baseball season continues to progress. Softball season continues to progress. The women's team is in limbo as they stand and wait their fate. Uh, The men will be heading to Vegas to try and get into the tournament. uh, And there will be a lot to cover. So until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. 
Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.